Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guests on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. All right, John Vlasopoulos, the now CEO of Napster. Yes, Napster, a company that I think most of us loved at least one point in our, our time. I think the product, the company is back. They're swinging big. A new funding round combined with a new CEO in John. Uh, welcome, John. Uh, hi, Sean. Good to be here. Yeah, no, appreciate you coming on. So obviously you were the global head of music at Roblox. Uh, I think that says a little bit about the direction of where Napster is headed. Um, you know, first, let's start with you. Uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself. You know, what led you to Napster and kind of what are the cool stuff that's going on there now? Yeah, so the, the T-shirt that I, I wanted to change into just for you, Sean, and the, and the viewers. <laughs> so this is actually OG original from uh, original Napster 20 plus years ago. So I used to work at Bertelsmann and uh, in our corporate group. So have a have a bookend experience with Napster at the beginning of my career. We lent them $50 million um, back then. And then I worked on a small team looking to legitimize Napster. We had a billion dollar off of the music industry. Um, and we were buying a bunch of companies to kind of package in an Napster 2.0. Um, we, didn't, we didn't quite get across the finishing line back then, which is a story for a separate podcast. Um, however, the original Napster and what we did and what we were going to launch that no one ever saw always stuck in the back of my mind. Then I went off into telco and was in television and was an investor and entrepreneur, ended up at Roblox going back into music. So I think coming out of Roblox, um, I'd gone and delivered a, a new experience to the music industry in the metaverse. And it felt like there was an unfinished chapter from the old experience that we saw of community and uh, and streaming. And then the kind of live side that we were bringing to life at, um, at Roblox with virtual concerts. So when given an opportunity and I was sort of uh, commenting when I was at Roblox that things could be done better. So when presented with an opportunity to uh, take the helm to try and do it better. Uh, it was it was something that I wanted to uh, to uh, to take up, and I think additionally, you know, the investor group is very strong. So um, went very deep on the diligence, meeting all the investors. We're backed by Algorand, um, you know, Hivemind, Arrington, um, G20, etc. So people with great um, and deep expertise in Web three, DeFi, TradFi, etc. Um, the Napster brand, you know, back in the day, we reached eighty million people. So it was a very strong, iconic music brand. Um, uh, I've been around the world and back in the last thirty days wearing this T-shirt. And I get a lot of whoops <laughs> and things. Um, and then I think the general thesis is to have success in this new emerging market of whatever you want to call it, Web three. I think having something that is a little bit more hybrid felt like a smart approach. So we obviously have an existing close to nine-figure trailing business and and um, and subscribers, but then we're looking to bring in some of these new features within the core products. So it felt like a nice balance of a brand. Um, kind of new investor injection, uh, my experience, and then the kind of core team and, um, and user base. Got it. So you're, you've been on the job how long now? So I think I've been joking. I'm, I've outlasted Liz Trust, which seems to be a new benchmark for, <laughs> for, for leadership uh, reigns. So a month and a half or so. Officially, we did it a month ago in Singapore. Okay, um, cool. And then, you know, Roblox, Napster, I, I think, you know, digging into maybe like what are some of the hardest things that you've been – uh, approached with thus far, you know, like what's the real challenge here that I think one at Roblox, I think you were solving and, and, and the company there was solving as well still to this day, you know, and, and an Napster, like the, the main problems that you're solving, how you're kind of going after it. Uh, if you could just give us a little bit of inside scoop on that. Yeah. So 
I went into to Roblox, a company primarily of engineers and, you know, a few kind of gaming people, but not really many entertainment people or, or you know, media advertising people. So I think the opportunity in the beginning um, we had, I think, unlike Web3, I think Web3 is a little further along. There's more uh, tailwinds um, at the beginning of the metaverse experience. It was all net new. So we really went from zero to two. So in the beginning, it was convincing all stakeholders, both internal, where if you're running a platform with tens of millions of people coming to it every day, and there's something that might spike traffic, you know, like a, a concert or event, maybe you're not massively excited to, to do that uh, if you're looking after the technical team. So we had to work with internal stakeholders um, to make sure they were comfortable. And we had mitigated strategies for even doing something like a, the, the fact that we started the Little Nas X concert. Um, we had to work with the music industry because it was pretty much net new. Um, what do the deals look like? You know, convince artists for Lars X in the beginning. Took a couple of rounds to see the excitement. And then he talked to his younger younger cousins. They're like, oh, little Lars, you've got to be on Roblox. It'd be awesome. So he got excited. And then we had to find a, a group to produce it because there wasn't like a big market for people who produced these virtual events. It was, you know, it was a, a previous era. Um, and then we had to get, you know, a whole bunch of multiple groups across the company all working together. That didn't usually work together to launch it so it was, it was definitely not without challenges um and it felt a lot in the mobile era uh, and then went to television and and did a lot of interactive television and that it felt like a similar thing we did deal or no deal and launched interactive voting on the show and nearly melted the the carriers in the us <laughs> in terms of the uh the concurrence so anyway so it was i think once we got it done it was definitely not a non-obvious thing but i think once people once we had the one uh big success dave i think and uh and the market then glommed onto it as a lighthouse example. And then the other ones were a little easier after that. And we got more efficient on production, more efficient on the you know contracts and the rollout, and the timing, and, and then started at the end to bring in brands to offset it. So we're taking some of that learning in terms of building a net new experience in the in the Web3 space. And I think a lot of people in Web3, they're kind of different parties, the metaverse and the Web3, there's not found in the last month, there's not a lot of blending of the two. So if you if you kind of squint and think about Roblox as an L1. Um, focused on gaming, even though it wasn't on a on a protocol um, on chain. And then, you know, we had millions of developers developing and all, all around gaming and getting paid in Robux, which was, again, the virtual currency, not on chain. But for us, it was, you know, something that was used by a whole community. And it was so consumerized that, you know, a, a generation would prefer it to actual money. And you can get it at Walgreens. So I think in terms of thinking of where we can take Web3, I think it's been looking for that consumerization jump away from kind of the investor era where there have been have some have been some projects, but they're more you know thousand, two thousand, three thousand ARPU experiences, which is certainly not the average fan. So we feel there's this opportunity with music to to really bring a consumer um, adoption for a, a mass market utility experience. It's just fun for fans, the average fan, and um, and really connect the artists and fans in a new way. Got it. So let's start there, really trying to understand the dynamics of the industry today, so that we can gauge you know probably at the end of this conversation of like where you're going with it. Um, you know the Talk about how the industry dynamics work today in terms of, you know, whether it's royalties or contracts, uh, things like that, that, that can give us a sense of, you know, what's going to be potentially changing and what, what in theory is, is changing on the, whether it's the margin or uh, income in total. Yeah. So one, one way to think about it is for the last 40 years, we've been in a, a format evolution era. So um, I started in the music business in the 90s. It was the end of the analog era. For, so, so from the 80s to 2000 was the the rise of physical formats, um, ending with CDs. And then the Napster, our original Napster, um, let the genie out of the bottle for digital. And then actually Napster is built on Rhapsody. 
um, afterwards. So Rhapsody was actually the first streaming service in 2001 prior to Spotify uh, and others coming much later. So um, the last 20 years has really been both for music and video um, format, solo consumption of a format in different lengths and with different business models. Um, short form, long form, free, paid, right? So on the audio side, we've had ringtones, which are short music, which cost more songs by download, song strip subscription, and then podcasts and, um, and audiobooks. And on the video side, we've gone from, you know, movies to television shows to short form, paid and free. So I think there hasn't really been, and that's brought us up to now. So what we think is the opportunity for the music industry moving forward and really any creator industry is to have a company really focused on being a partner to the creator. Um, I think a lot of the platforms up to now have been really in the service of the fan, right? When you go on a TikTok type service, uh, they're really trying to please you as the viewer, give you more and more addictive stuff and keep you there and monetize through advertising. So we think that it's, it's really a business relationship shift that we feel the Web3 can enable. 20 years ago, it was it was kind of mobile platforms with microtransactions and carrier billing. And now we think the back end offered by smart contracts and, and Web3 can offer this, again, microtransaction, whatever they want to offer to their uh, fans, they can. So Naps is looking to be a kind of partner to those uh, initially artists and then broader creators um, in that exchange of value. And then, you know, we have a slide in our deck that, that the evolution of the fan, where if you think about you at a concert, you're a fan in the audience looking on, on the stage. And then the next evolution is member. So you see a lot around membership, then you're backstage. But the exciting part beyond membership is um, being a co-creator or like a co-investor with the artist. So that's the movement you've seen over the past years with companies like Splice, etc., where you can sell your beats. And so, so I think there's no reason that a, a fan can't start collaborating with their favorite artist creatively and not just be a kind of a consumptive fan. So it's bringing community back. There's been no community really existing in digital music, integrating sort of live experiences. You go to a show um, and there's no tie and you leave the show with nothing, a live concert. So why can't you redeem something on a, on a Napster? And then, um, again, allowing artists to express themselves, not just in the form of music capped at $9.99 or $10.99 a month, but however they want to express themselves and having that relationship be direct with them versus middlemen. Now, do you think like the, the current streaming platforms as they exist today, one that is uh, green out there has tried to, you know, um, build out a kind of quasi, that type, the type of relationships in which you're talking about, right? And you've heard that anecdotally, you probably know a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes and in, in the industry around that. Do you think it's really going to be the incumbents where already have, you know, the couple hundred millions of consumers that can lead that charge? Or do you think this is going to be something that's from the ground up? So I, w- I would say it's in, in Goldilocks manner. It, it's not it's not new, new, and it's not old, old. It's kind of a hybrid in the middle, which is why I was attracted to Napster. So I think by being public, you have some handcuffs. So if you look at what Dan has been doing for, um, you know, in the recent earnings report for, as you mentioned, the green company. Um, he's having to go deeper and deeper into into product types and that are, that are less, um, you know, onerous of, of rights, right? So going more into podcasts and audiobooks where you can show better margin for the street. Um, so kind of going away from music. So I think because he's delivering a quarterly earnings, he has to do something. So he's becoming more on that consumption that we were talking about before. I think he's going deeper into an audio consumption service as opposed to a music creator community. Um, so I think the public companies are tough because they've got to deliver shareholder returns. Similar thing with Deezer, who went public recently in the in the summer. And then I think the small net new Web3 um, music companies, you know, there's been a massive disparity in funding between Web3 gaming and Web3 music. So last year, Web3 gaming took close to 4 billion. Um, this year, 10 billion. Last year, Web3 music was two or 300 million. So a bunch of those companies that have um, started last year 
have raised 2 million, 3 million, 5 million. A lot of them are running out of gas and they certainly don't have enough to build a net new brand. So we, we think uh, a hybrid approach with a company like Napster, where we have, you know, not as big as Spotify for sure, but we have a, you know, a good, a good base. We've been in business for 20 years. We've delivered, you know, billion dollars plus to the music industry. We have that complicated um, thing called global rights, uh, which is very hard, if not impossible to replicate. And we have tangible users. So we think, and we're not public. So we're sort of big enough and we have the great brand to not be encumbered with having to deliver to shareholders now. And we can leverage the markets in terms of, um, you'll see a token uh, launch next year uh, in a different way because we're not we're on, on, not on a typical IPO path. So we can leverage the, the kind of Web3 ecosystem to grow and, and build as a different, uh, you know, playing a different game, if you like, to the original guys. Talk about the, the, the global rights that you just talked about, which is, the crown jewel, it sounds like. Just talk about the, how that comes about, uh, why it's so important. Yeah, I, I think generally in consumer behavior, it's very, very, you don't see many two-trick ponies. They're usually one-trick ponies. So I think consumers love, um, in, in a pyramid, it would be streaming and then buying tickets primarily, right? So a superset of fans will who stream and listen to music will also go to shows. It's, it's a smaller slice. And, and again, what we were trying to do at Roblox was expand that excitement that you feel going to a live event which we all talk about it but it's a tiny slice of people in the world it's like a million people a year versus you know billions on the planet so have that uh, relationship be something that more people can experience and that was the virtual concert sell so um so yeah so i i think the the rights that we have our feeling is that you want you want to have something that's already familiar um so I'm, if i'm spending all day listening to my sad night dynamite or taylor swift or whatever it happens to be i'd, I'd like that and i would like you know, maybe new 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 artists that are net new, maybe on different deals. So we don't think to the consumer there should be any difference on the experience. So if Sad Night Dynamite or on Warner happen to go off Warner, um, so then in the background we're managing the rights where we pay Warner and some publishers, and then they go direct, and they got a, then they got a deal on the blockchain directly with us, and then they got a collectible, which is through some. It doesn't matter. I think as a fan, it should just be your interest in the band or the artist, and it's all seamless on the front end. So we think a more blended experience where it's not like go over here for the new stuff and go over here for the old stuff. Having it integrated, we think, is a better consumer proposition. Got it. Now, you know, when you look at the music industry, particularly, you know, it's pretty top heavy in terms of whether it's the amount of money people make, um, the the amount of attention I think that we all can, you know, um, provide to the industry, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. How does that change the dynamics of like the need for something um, like kind of using a blockchain and uh, having royalty rights across all of the different kind of creators that are out there, as opposed to having the current relationships as they, as, as they exist, like what's wrong with this system today, I think. Um, and then what's maybe the dynamics of the industry that exists today that don't potentially allow um, this type of uh, kind of financial connection that we're talking about here. Yeah. So the, you know, I think the industry has evolved. I came from the industry um some of it is just you know you need to evolve business models you evolve technology processes so i think it's served for a long time in the structure that it's been in and and still generally does um it's just a lot of the on the the rights payment side it, it grew from a local business where you would be playing music in a, in a in a shop or a local you know music establishment or a stadium and then it went to regional then it went to, to global but the structure is still very local which is why you have somewhat of a hodgepodge of um of right structures which makes it very complicated for anyone who wants to do anything globally or or at, at the point of like you know purchase sinking so anyway 
So the, the, the back end infrastructure is complicated. It serves its purpose. So it still generates a lot of money. But there are a lot of very obvious things that anyone from the industry, if you were doing it all over again, would do differently. And I think that's the opportunity for blockchain. Um, so one is just, you know, the, the payment opportunities are, are primarily around subscription. There's like one big box of rights for X amount per month. There's no reason it needs to be. So I think blockchain is a nice example to do microtransactions um, more easily. Uh, and especially for people in, you know, we had that with Roblox. Uh, a lot of the, we had developers, creators, if you like, in all the countries of the world. And for them, it was often easier to hold Robux than it was to hold Fiat. So that was sort of a precursor of how, if you imagine the music ecosystem, if you're holding the Napster token, you may not even, you know, um, cash it out. And then you can pay other people and it becomes a, a floated currency within the, uh, or, you know, to, to use within the ecosystem. So I think hopefully, um, you know, again, it doesn't need to be a hard break of here is the old way platforms and here are the new way platforms. But I think the, the art of the back end, it's very complicated now, you know, what we do um, of paying all the different people we pay and, and accounting for it. So I think that knowledge and expertise being applied to a kind of blended system, um, we think is a, is a nice way to attack it. And it should allow artists in the future, if they have a bunch of fans that they've had um, on a social media platform, they can then kind of bring those fans to a platform like Napster but connect directly and have that direct relationship. So they're not kind of held hostage by um, other intermediaries. And then they can, again, monetize whatever they want to do in, in a bunch of different ways. So again, it's that it's the technology allowing this business relationship shift um, where they don't become beholden to a platform, but they can connect directly. Um, so And the contracts that they have can be simpler between maybe them and other people. They can all be done on the on chain. So Got it. So, so it's really around simplicity um, that it, the technology you're saying allows um, within the ecosystem is that the same thing, you know, like, so obviously the TikToks of the world, Instagram uh, with Reels, you have essentially more music being embedded in more things. Um, is, you think obviously blockchain enabled kind of music in a sense um, allows for a much more seamless way for like the tenant, like the industry to grow. Um, is that part of the thesis here as well? And then also just what's happening in the social space around music that is, uh, um, what seems to be more and more prevalent. Yeah, so I think going back to the point around format, so I think <clears throat> a lot of the, the the platforms, depending on what they are, if it's images or video, that, that is their focus. So uh, you mentioned TikTok, so they're focused on short form video and that's what they do. And they're very, very good at that. I think they're, they're, they're not, again, necessarily focused on offering a multitude of different formats of, of, of concerts and images and songs, and that's not their their model. So I think um, given the, given it's a very, you know, well-built product, short-form video, you know, video. I've certainly gone down rabbit holes. I'm sure you have, you know, once in a while, right? And you, you feel good or bad after doing that. So yeah, and if music is contextually integrated in the same way, if you watch a TV show that becomes very compelling, you know, think Stranger Things and Kate Bush. So there's contextual music that's been happening, which is the sync business in TV and film for, for decades. So now it just happens to be where the attention is being spent is a, is a shorter form medium. So if music can get, um, you know, covered within that, it's it's obviously good. The problem is, um, it's only a short amount of the song that a lot of, you know, my daughter is 12 and is, is active on those platforms. She doesn't know what the song is or doesn't know to dig deeper or how to dig deeper. So I think it's great from a short form video perspective. It's not necessarily great for the artist or the um, the music industry to grow materially because it's always going to be a sideshow to the main show, which is short form video um, all day, every day. So I think, again, the, the format era of the last 20 years of slicing and dicing video and music in different lengths and formats and different business models we think will give way to, again, empowerment of the creators directly and platforms starting to work directly 
with with them as the focus and the fans then will be brought into a community because the other part that's materially different um from our old napster is all the people um you know when you're on a tiktok it's you and tiktok or if you're on if you're on a to be honest like a napster now or a spotify um you know it's, it's you and or netflix it's you and the experience it's like fire hosing whatever you're fire hosing there's no community so i think community which is almost a, arguably a web two thing um was never brought into media so you're not watching things with your friends or chatting with your friends in a music experience it's consumption so we think bringing in community where the fans can interact artists can all interact with their fans and again having this new technology innovation where they can quite easily wherever they are in the world connect with those fans and they don't have to have if you if you have 10,000 people who are who are following you or interested in you and you can't monetize that to sustain a career there's something wrong right and that's the problem with the current industry because it's you know 0.04 or 0.03 of a cent uh, it's a, it's a different structure so yeah so i think if it goes directly with the correct back end you allow which is our ambition at, at napster is to empower more and more creators and extending from what i was doing at roblox to to do what they do um but allow it in multiple different ways roblox the format was gaming but again with napster we would like to empower whatever the creator the, the music partner wants to offer um and help them sustain a living and, and make it fun for the fans by meeting other fans who are into what they're into and creating that community got it so, so you're trying to build the end to end right from like creation to you know experiential kind of events that that take place and kind of creating the infrastructure for that to happen from not necessarily one place but in a sense you, you envision maybe companies out there such as Napster doing that I do yeah and I think whether we build the whole stack ourselves or you know we're looking we announced a venture fund we're looking at some acquisitions investments to build that as an ecosystem um it 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 should be again the the industry historically has been focused around business models there's no reason that the live industry again should be as separate from the streaming industry that's just old models so I think if you refocus everything around the artist and the fan and have them at the core of the experience you you unfold a model you know like I'm talking about uh, so yeah so we whether we build everything ourselves or partner in some cases so if it, if there are virtual little mini meta worlds on Napster whether we build that or partner um I think that you'll you'll see that roll out next year um but from a artist perspective there should be not only the tools but we think also the community um and you know we should be a partner to them in it not kind of the gatekeeper so philosophically that's what we are looking to do got it cool um so your origins at obviously Roblox all around gaming you think um like what i think skill set from a from that other than just music um do you think like the crossover from kind of gaming to music uh is it the gamification of things what what do you think uh the kind of overlap between you know Roblox and, and Napster um outside of just pure music what do you think uh, you can bring uh, to Napster to you know fuel the fire even even more yeah so i mean one of the same before is we you know doing something net new right so we took something from 0 to 2 it's all the same people so it's the same managers the same artists the same labels that um you know we we helped bring along the metaverse journey and help them make money and reach millions of people so that there's a there's we're kind of continuing that journey so those relationships and and uh, case studies and experiences are valuable and then i think a lot of the things that the web3 industry has been talking about we already we we've already done so if you think about all the money that was made primarily around the events which were what we call virtual merchandise virch um are effectively collectibles or or nfts in web3 parlance um so we've already made tens of millions of dollars of um of that before and know how it works so Yeah, so I I think it's the and the, and the community angle we had, you know, 40 million people with Little Nas X coming together. So it, it's kind of like we I've seen it from the ground floor, produced it, you know, integrated brands. So we we kind of have that backdrop and now again don't see 
you know, Napster is a DSP. Um, just think about it as, a, as the brand and then evolving to have this new experience that brings together the best of interactive experiences that can also be, so Roblox, the good things we had was the community, but we, we again, it wasn't on the chain, right? So there was no notion of, of kind of ownership and and uh, and secondary and the and the the rate that we took at Roblox is different because it was traditionally a gaming platform in terms of um, commercial terms. So I think it's the learnings of what we did um, right and then the opportunities to uh, improve and then marrying it with people love listening to music and we didn't have continuous music at Roblox. So it's kind of taking the best of gaming, you know, the best of live, you know, the, the best of streaming and the best of social communities, like a Discord or whatever, and, and putting that all in the in the cement mixer and coming up with a better, mm -hmm. which is what I wanted to do for 20 years, is what we wanted to do. Even if we relaunched the Napster 2.0 that we wanted to launch 20 years ago, I still think we'd be better than anything that exists today. It's just wow. everyone got distracted and, and and decided to do a more simple rollout of streaming music and then extending it in more and more countries. So, um, so yeah, so uh, that that is the uh, that's the plan. Got it. I have to ask you a a question that is top of mind today, which is, you know, what is your views on just the concept of the metaverse? Um, you know, obviously Oculus, well, not Oculus, Meta, Meta just came out with that. The, the Quest Pro Two or the Quest Pro. Um, you know, that's that's VR, you know, XR uh, type of tech. Roblox kind of. Uh, isn't in that space, but obviously, you know, in terms of trying to build community existed in that light, but I'm sure you have a, a view of, you know, the metaverse more broadly in terms of an ecosystem of what you, you kind of think about in terms of like some call it the spatial web, some call it other things, some, uh, all the different definitions kind of, uh, you won't find a single definition, I think is the best way to frame it. I think for us, we're, we actually have a metaverse series going on, which is really around, you know, what are the use cases and what problems are we truly trying to solve? And that's ultimately what's going to define the success of whatever you want to call it. Um, just wanted to get your perspective on it, given that obviously music, Roblox, blockchain, um, a lot of these things feed into the to the viewpoints of that. I have I have many thoughts on that, Sean. I would try <laughs> and get the, the the TLDR. I mean, I'm on the board of some of the biggest, like you know, metaverse building companies. A great company, uh, Dubit, out of the UK, sort of leading international one. There's Terra Zero, who's doing all the decentralized building in the metaverse. Fatum is a great. Is a, is a great platform. So yes, I'm, I'm fairly deep and, and post Roblox before Napster. Um, I was doing a bunch of advisory work on public and private companies. So the, the short TLDR is, um, I think it, 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 3D internet is probably the, 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 the shorthand. Um, and I don't think it will be driven necessarily by gaming. So I think gaming has been a little bit of an albatross in terms of um, forcing IP holders and brands, et cetera, to build a game. And I think there's a nuance between a game, and like we're talking about natural gamified experiences or interactive experiences, um, and there's the notion of permanency versus ephemeral. So I, I, I think you're going to see in the next, um, certainly in 2023, platforms emerging that will be focused more on brand um, advertisers. 20 years ago, we started the Mobile Marketing Association when I was at AT&T and learned, you know, taught brands how to leverage mobile with short codes. And we were on around the Olympics, we we're on 500 million tray liners at McDonald's. Um, the Vatim company just did a campaign in, with uh, Pepsi in the World Cup where they're on hundreds of millions of Frito-Lay packages with a QR code that can unlock a wallet that onboards a whole bunch of people and gets you into a rewarded experience um, around the World Cup. So I think the the unlock will be more of an open metaverse where um, as Shopify you know, brought to millions of, of brands, commerce abilities and onto the web, I think it would be a lot more um, mid and long tail um, and people will be able to integrate through a brand, you'll be able to build and integrate it into how you 
usually advertise in your existing technology and campaigns if you want to integrate AR, you know, and a, and a VR experience and a, and, a, and a internet, you know, 3D internet experience or metaverse experience um, and a wallet and a token, you can. So I think, if, again, there are a bunch of platforms coming out you'll see in 2023 that will be a little bit more of that open metaverse. And that's, I think, when the brands can start adopting it at scale. That's when you have it becoming a much more mass market uh, opportunity and not within an age demo. So Roblox, fantastic. But, you know, again, it's it's harder from some restrictions because you've got to, as a brand, you've got to reach um, under a certain demo and there's restrictions. So I think it'll be an all age, um, you know, experience that integrates the best of the blockchain, uh, easily integrated with other other campaigns that the brands are running and more on a campaign basis than a kind of permanent uh, 24-7, 365 kind of game-like experience. So that would be my... Yeah. My shorthand, but I'm I'm optimistic, and I'm relatively, I think, on the short term, you know, Meta will have their their challenges getting out. Um, but uh, you know, VR gaming is still a billion dollar plus uh, industry, even with the number of handsets. Nothing compared to what it is, 180 billion for for gaming. But but I think as a as an immersive experience, and, and I think as it crosses over to being more XR than than forcing the full toaster on the head, um, <laughs> that we better. So I'm definitely long, but it's going to be a little bit of a rocky number of years in the short term. Um, but people overall are just craving more immersive experiences. So I think that's the opportunity. And to, if you think about the web as a solo experience, going back to media, it's a solo experience. So now the opportunity is with, if you like, metaverse, where you can be with other people um, in some sort of a 3D experience um, and have presence. Uh, that's just more fun. So I think it's, it's and that's going to un unlock a huge need for more compute power, which is great for other industries that, that, that are dependent on that. So um, instead of doing things in a solitary way, browsing the web or consuming media, a lot of this will become more of a communal experience, which I think is just great for you know, the evolution of us as humans. It's nice to connect with people around things that you do. And hopefully that will unlock a huge amount um, more uh, commercial opportunities, creative opportunities. And um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm optimistic, but I think it's, it's going to be brand driven, not necessarily game driven. And it'll be, a lot of it will be free and rewards versus you know, paid consumption. Um, and I think you're going to start seeing the beginnings of that in, in late 23, 24. Yeah, no, we've seen a lot of, um, we had a couple of like architecture companies come on and, and some of the stuff they're doing there, um, in kind of these mixed reality experiences is, is pretty profound. Um, you know what, John, we are going to end there. Um, you know, I think we got a good sense of, you know, what Napster is doing, what you're doing, obviously congrats on your success prior and, and taking this to Napster. Uh, it sounds like a obviously a fascinating opportunity and what you guys are doing. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, if anyone wanted to learn, I guess more about you, I know you're on LinkedIn and things like that. You know, where can they find you? What should they be looking out for at Napster over the, the coming, let's say, you know, six, twelve, eighteen months? So, um, I, I love your uh, all encompassing. It could be another ten, ten minutes, but I, I think briefly, um, the cat who's here, so over here. So expect to, to see that the cat is coming back. So we'll be we'll be rolling out a collectible uh, with some artist partnerships and brand partnerships around our, our cat as a drop. So uh, and then I think leading into next year there'll be the um, the token. You'll see a materially different Napster um, around the ideas that I was talking about before coming to market. Um, and you know overall we're looking to elevate. We'll be looking to raise a much raising a much larger round next year as well. So some more acquisitions. Um, but we're excited. I think for the prospect of, of Web three music catching up at least in funding to gaming and starting to have these proof points. We like what Socios is doing in sports. I think they've been doing a great job. Um, they're a billion plus, I think they're, they're token at the moment. So, and generating tangible revenue. So I think the hope is you'll start to see uh, from a consumer side experiences that are more fun, 
um, more engaging, materially different to what you see elsewhere. And from an artist perspective or creative perspective, you'll start to see hopefully rubber the road with actual users that you can reach and fans that you can reach. So we can all start talking less about, you know, things that are coming around the corner, but just talking about quarterly, you know, revenue and returns and just thinking about it as a proper business. So, um, so yeah, we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully stay in touch on as we have more news. We're glad to come back. And, and I, I've been told by my press people not to mention my telegram, but if anyone's on there, I'm, I'm Naps the boss. So feel there free you to go. drop me a line. Good name right there. Yeah. Cool. John, appreciate you coming on and yeah, we'll catch up in the future. Thanks, John. Take care.